I am your host, Stephen, and you are listening to the Learn Swift podcast, where beginners to the Swift language share their background, experiences, lessons learned, and ambitions. On today's episode, I'll be interviewing Terry Torres. Terry is a colonial tour guide on the Freedom Trail in Boston who is trying to make a transition from the performing arts to iOS development. Hey, Terry, welcome to the show. Hey, Ter- Terry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Stephen. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I was I I literally looked over to the names in the chat room and I was like, well, mine was right there. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Stephen, thanks for having me. How's how's your day been? It's it's been good. It's I've been looking forward to this a lot. Thank yeah. you for having me again. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Glad, I'm glad this is a thing that uh, that you're doing. Yeah, for for anyone you out there, uh, we had some technical difficulties. And... Yeah, maybe you could tell in the tone. <laughs> Yeah, so we had about ten minutes of the show recorded, and then it got completely lost due to Terry's bad Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's th- this this version is better already. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Terry, for the listeners out there, give us your background. I will. Uh, I grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey, and I moved to Boston to study theatrical performance at Emerson College. Uh, and I graduated in 2009. Not the best time to graduate with an arts degree. Right. Um, uh, I went straight into fringe theater and a string of menial jobs. Uh, but it led me eventually, my performance background and my proclivity for like uh, wanting to know stuff, to working at the Freedom Trail Foundation, where I currently am still employed. Um, they give historic guided tours of historic downtown Boston. And they do it wearing colonial garb. Uh, and they portray historic personae, or well, all their the famous ones, brothers and sisters. I portray Ebenezer Hancock. Okay. Yes. Question is is for all the uh, U.S. citizens out there, you might be mad at me right now. Uh, is the Freedom Trail the trail that Paul Revere ran? Oh, uh, <laughs> it, yeah. The Freedom Trail base. It was given. It's basically it's it's a, it's the line put down in Boston in the 1950s to uh, connect all the most imp- important historic sites in the city of Boston, okay. which is considered often uh, the starting point of the American Revolution. Okay. So that includes things like Boston Common, the oldest public park in the country. It includes Paul Revere's house. Yeah, it includes burying grounds uh, where many famous American revolutionaries are buried, like Paul Revere and Samuel Adams and John Hancock. Uh, and many important buildings where important things happen that have been historically preserved uh, for future generations. It's a, a big uh, tourist destination uh, for people from all of the country. I meet lots of people from even outside of the country. Um, Australians are my favorite. <laughs> uh, they just have a good know how to have a good time. Yeah. Uh, and uh and students uh and and basically all all sorts of people who um uh either already know about american history and want to have uh want to go to the places that they heard about um or they're in boston they heard that the freedom trail was a thing to do so they do okay <laughs> lots of conferences cruise ships things like that come to right. boston because it's there and they're like oh what else is there to do not a huge city so it's easy to walk around yeah Very that's handy. what i've heard i've always yeah. wanted to go there you should. You should. Uh, I mean, uh, you could call ahead. Just ask for Ebenezer Hancock, the Freedom <laughs> Trail Foundation. Uh, or if I'm not there, everyone else is pretty good. Okay. Uh, pretty good. 
um yeah uh so that's that's what i still do but uh it affords me having a performance background and a performative uh career affords me a lot of time to do other stuff i'm interested in and honestly i'm trying to transition from performance to programming uh specifically to ios design so what got you into ios development uh well uh it was i guess just kind of things led to things uh after school i was uh doing a bunch of collaborative stuff uh in the boston fringe theater scene with companies or just friends like putting up stuff in rented spaces or uh, my own apartment even uh and uh someone in someone i kept running into was like we should do a podcast we want we did a history podcast for a bit um kind of covering things uh from the perspective of stuff we thought we knew in high school that we were revisiting again. Okay. Uh, and uh, there was three of us all together. And one of us, I still don't remember who, had the idea that uh, we should have a game. We should have a trivia game to go with the podcast. And we kind of landed right away on uh, You Don't Know Jack style with all of us uh, using recording voice clips. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and I, the idea was I was the host and they were kind of like uh, experts. So that was kind of the how the game worked too. Okay. Uh, my, my caricature posed the questions from a random set. And um, they were AI competitors you could set to be really dumb or really smart. Or really slow or really fast, as the case may be. Okay. Um, and uh, I had been talking with my wife for a while about uh, about wanting to transition from performance to something else. And honestly, I, I didn't know it was going to be iOS. I um I wanted to, well, to be totally clear, I'm sure like a lot of uh, young young newbies or d- idiots, uh, I I I've wanted to make a video game for a very long time. <laughs> And uh, I knew that mobile was, uh, especially that time, um, at least for me at that time, being a recent iOS um, convert, uh, fertile ground. So I figured I got this thing. I could test on it. Let's start there. Uh, So I went to lynda.com. My wife had an account through her work. And I took, um, I started with the basics. I took uh, essentials of programming and then essentials of iOS development. Now, this is in 2014. I've been at it for a little bit. I mean, I get long for a newbie, but not long for a veteran, for sure. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, Swift was new, but it wasn't established. Uh, rather, not established enough for a video course, a lot of video courses to exist. Right. So I started with Objective-C, um, and... I think, and I told one of them that, and he was kind of dabbling in, in like he was doing Ruby on Rails or something at the time, and like he was impressed not only that I was like learning that way, he was pretty shocked that I was starting with Objective C, which isn't fresh. <laughs> right? Yeah, the syntax still kind of scares me. I, I haven't it, I haven't written any Objective C. I got a little more used. Hopefully, to you don't it. have to. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean that like every every class needs two files, um, and like uh, a, a mut- mutable and immutable values like each have their own classes as well. And oh, really? And like uh, some values uh, require pointers and memory. That's why there's an asterisk sometimes when you make a value. So that's what and, the asterisks are. For. Yeah, ex- exactly. Like okay. uh, it's it's. Uh, yeah, basically, it, it specifically is indicating that like it points to a reference. That's why strings have 
N or rather N S strings okay. uh, involve asterisks, but um, okay. most integers don't. Things like that. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, amaze. It, it would have been a mess without something to start with, and um, Linda was a big was a big help. I looked it up, and I feel like that course is gone. I'm sure it's been updated or whatever, but I wish I could remember that guy's name who uh, did the course. It was really good. Um, mm. And that's how I started. And uh, you could probably guess how it was my, f- like, uh, my any iOS projects before that were just, like, little tutorials. That was really my first iOS project. Right. You could guess how well made it was. Right, yeah. <laughs> just I mean, got like, a couple view controllers and, yeah, and like, all the code shoved right into it. Yeah, every, like, every um, repeated logic all over, like, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and, like... I my my experience of programming before that was super limited. Like um, GeoCities web pages uh, were basically my start. Yeah, I did the same thing when I was uh-huh. when I was really I mean, back when every everything was guestbooks and web rings and like navigational frames. I feel like navigational bars took up like a fifth of the screen back then. <laughs> um, and uh, after that. Um, kind of those small timey game making things like click and play or uh things like that and a class in in a high school and i never honestly things might have been different i might have gone into programming because i was so interested in it but there was always this idea that if you were bad at math you shouldn't go into programming that held me off for a long time everybody lots of people didn't bother because they're like oh because because at that point like when you're thinking of college and you got to already narrow down your options when there could be so many you're like, mm, what's higher, my 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 uh, linguistic SAT or my math SAT? I, well, I guess right. that answers it for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I learned, I mean, especially I knew it then, and I relearned it uh, even as I got into iOS, was that it, math was like not a thing at all. Like it was really like spatial reasoning almost. Yeah, like, I, could, I could definitely see that. Like knowing where things are, where things mm-hmm. had to be, and how to move things around so they were in the right spot. Those things were often numbers, but like it was more just about like, like it was like kind of solving a little puzzle every time. What the best way to do something is, after compared to that, like math is just math. Right. So when when did you start making the transition from? Objective C to Swift. Did you start in Swift two or did you go it, in at Swift three? Right away. Um, it actually took a while. Um, I, I have I have four apps in the App Store right now. Uh, okay. Under Terry Torres, um, three of them are Objective C. It took me a bit. Um, even even though it was twenty fourteen, again, even then, I feel there. I was I was I was scared. I was I was scared to start. Swift. Right. Just because I knew there there would be so many resources. Um, I even I didn't even touch Swift one. Um, it was uh, Swift two that I finally started. But uh, the app after that, after I had a friend who, after hearing that I made that first app, wanted mm-hmm. me to help her with something. She basically, I mean, her and her husband were getting married, and uh, they like video games. They wanted achievements to go with their wedding reception. Okay, like stuff to do, like uh, have one of every beer, like take a photo <laughs> with uh, in the in the in like uh, the uh, photo booth, uh, uh, meet someone new, think like really cute stuff. Yeah, um, and they were like making an app. Every, you know, people just download it. Um, I mean, they could it could have like been a punch card on a chalkboard, but they wanted to jazz it up. Right, um, and I found out uh, this is something interesting that people haven't always run into. Basically, I wanted to make an app for the wedding reception. I submit it. 
thank God I had time. Um, and it was rejected because Apple will not accept apps made for specific times and places. Oh. Um, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. You can't like host an app that and then expires in 24 hours. Right. Yeah. It's not be weird. relevant. Yeah. yeah. So I basically had to make a mock service. I called it Yata. That was like, conceivably, anyone can t- contact me to for this service of making achievements for uh, a public event or a, okay. a, a real life event. Basically kind of sold it in the description as like an, an alternate reality game, basically. Okay. Uh, but they were my only client. <laughs> but it worked out. Right. I mean, b- because of the way it was pitched, because it was potentially more useful, it, I, it was accepted. Well, that's uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice way to work the system. <laughs> it was. It, it took like uh, like. Actually, it didn't take that long to figure it out. Uh, but like, I wish I had thought of it before the fact. Um, I just barely got it a working version in <laughs> for the day of. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another app after that, which I'm pretty proud of, I won't go like, since it's about Swift, I won't linger on it. Yorick mm-hmm. is, uh, kind of my love letter goodbye to the acting industry is just a giant, um, interactive Shakespearean monologue database, huh. um, which I think is pretty cool. I think it's, it's pretty robust. You could look up monologues, um, from all, all of his plays by, um, uh, not just like gender and length and like you know dramatic comedic, but like mm-hmm. subject matter, like biblical imagery or revenge or adultery or things like oh, that. Wow. Uh, I was really proud of that. The problem is um, that I just didn't know what I was getting into when I started it, okay. because basically three quarters of development was just data entry. <laughs> like I <laughs> like it's easy to get your hands on the text, but to like right have it in the right format and then to have tags associated with it like <laughs> like it wasn't even programming for most of the time it was just doing right. stuff that's pretty crazy yeah. uh so did you set up did you set up is all the data in the app itself or do you have a back end yeah but yes both <laughs> um, okay <laughs> uh uh i it um it load there's a, a p list in it that um loads up all the data right away um, and, uh, I've, I've given, I've updated it, uh, this past year, but back then it was like all defaults, you know, um, uh, keys for like monologue title and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, there is, I did add like, uh, there is a backend mostly not even for the text, but like I basically every monologue, every piece uh, has an ID number and then associated tags. And conceivably, if you wanted to, you could add new tags to a monologue. Okay. Kind of basic, yeah, uh, what's curation, self curation, basically. Right. Because, okay. like, uh, maybe, maybe I think this, maybe I thought a monologue was about, um, family, but I, maybe because it's so, it's like a thousand pieces of text or whatever, maybe I overlooked mm-hmm. that it also was about, um, uh, love, camaraderie, or, uh, uh, sympathy, things like that. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so th- there is a back end, and it is useful, but it wasn't the cr- it wasn't the crux of the design. Right. Uh, I might do that differently now. Honestly, when I started, I thought it was just going to be a monologue database. Period. But um, okay. But you know, there's a lot. There's a that involved a lot of stuff that I wasn't interested in wrangling at the time, like fair use and um uh ownership of 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 all the pieces of text and things like that um basically i'd only be able to get stuff in public domain and w- w- friends of mine who were playwrights 
Okay. Um, so I, I, I stuck to what I knew. It's a use, at least for students and people trying to get into college who need audition material. Um, right. A, a, a small but but voracious audience. So yeah, sadly, all that was objective C. But at the okay. same time that I was basically anytime I wanted to learn something new. So the way I started transitioning to learning new stuff was asking Google the right question. Like really, right. that was like kind of my thing. And I noticed more and more like Stack Overflow and places like that. I, I kept finding solutions in Swift. Okay. Um, so I kind of had to, even while finishing York, I kind of had to work backwards. Like it's, I'd uh, start a tutorial. Um, for implementing a search view controller or um or what um or uh picker views and stuff like that okay. and they'd be in swift so i would just like all right so i start a new project in swift just to test like the logic of it but without restarting my whole project i would kind of figure out how to do it back in objective c that's kind of funny because uh, I think a lot of people experience the, the other way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> trying yeah. to convert it from object, I, Objective I, C to Swift. I can't believe I ended up in that situation, but that's how it was for a bit. That's funny. Um, but f- and then once once I was done with um, that app, my third app, then I was like, all right, what's what's Swift all about? So a big thing I was interested in. I mean, it's it's the app I started with, right? Was was making games. And it's kind of a weird thing being an iOS because, like, I mean, I know I'll talk about this uh, uh, later because I'm working on one now. I know now that there are methods for making games uh, that Apple provides, like SpriteKit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I I figure if you're going into iOS, you're going to make apps, and if you want to make games, you seems to like a lot of people would do something else, um, right? Like Unity or something. Yeah, like Unity or something. Um, and, like, it, it was a weird position to be in because, like, on one hand, I did this because, like, it made sense. I thought it'd be lucrative. And I, and, uh, and it, I was something I was interested in, just, a, a, like, something I like. Um, and I wasn't, I guess I didn't have a broad view of how it would go. So now it's kind of in this place where I know how to make apps and I don't know how to make games. And that's kind of what I wanted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now I have this skill. But I ended up with this other skill set. So I was like, okay, don't have to throw this away. Um, right. So what what project are you? You said that you're working on a game for a local wine shop, I believe you yeah. said. Like, is it like an advert game that you're working on? Yeah, basically. Well, here's, here's the thing. Like when I went to it's... Um, Someone I know through through a friend. Actually, it's someone uh, I know through um, uh, the uh, uh, the woman who uh, wanted me to do that uh, wedding reception app. Okay. Um, uh, here I was thinking it was going to be like a promotional thing, uh, and it is. But like, it sounds like the owners just really want a game associate, like just a regular game associate that happens to be associated with their business. Okay. That's kind of like that's kind of their vibe. They're um they're kind of an indie wine shop, uh, all about like selling lots of like uh small vineyard stuff, and they kind of want to have like this kind of weird. They kind of like having this weird tone, and they think uh kind of the big gag would be to tell people download our app, and then it's like a retro game. And it's like, uh, <laughs> so do I buy That's... wine on this? <laughs> right. um, they already have a site for that. So they don't need an app for that. Right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that's kind of the gag. And, um, 
yeah uh i i we got i got i guess i got a bit of leeway but um we're kind of working together on on like a tone uh and it's gonna be kind of uh zelda e but like room based tacky slashy kind of thing okay uh but like every room's like a quick challenge a quick puzzle like uh uh, like I don't, know, I, mean, I don't know how many people have played the old the old Zelda in a long time, but it's pretty hard. Even just if it's just dudes walking forward at you. Yeah, it, uh, a, a couple <laughs> years ago, I had I had downloaded um, an NES emulator for my yeah. computer, and I had um, I, I play I, playing all those Nintendo games again. It's like, geez, how did I how did I actually get so far at like such a young age? Yeah, <laughs> like man. I was not as good as I used to be. But I mean, yeah. yeah. Zelda now is all open fields and like collecting stuff. Back then, mm-hmm. it was just like not trying not to die, right? <laughs> um, which is all great, but they're both good. Um, yeah. So that's kind of like the tone, and like it have this kind of this weird like. Uh, uh, it, I, I guess we're kind of going like it's the north end of Boston, but an alternate version where there's okay. this weird wine-associated tyrant who's hoarding, taking all the wine from the people because <laughs> okay. they're magical in this world, and everyone gives you like a special skill or whatever. Okay. Um, which is so, and like the 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 spirit of the shop is basically kind of the uh, inspiration for the game. But we're, I mean, even now, like we're kind of going back and forth on certain mechanics but i'm now implementing like uh man making a making a game is tough uh, in different ways from making an app because like i now know making an app you need to have that long view you know Mm -hmm. You, you need to think about like what pattern you're using or just like like how to not end up in a rabbit like end up with a lot of like you know spaghetti code right um where everything's wrapped up in everything else but like with a game, it's not worth it to do all that work if you don't know what's fun yet. <laughs> so, like that make yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so you gotta like prototype. So, you, like, there's no point in like putting all this these uh, layers in place to like make things easier to design around if you get down to it and you're like, oh wait, that's not fun. <laughs> right, and then you got have to pretty Peel much tear back. everything. <laughs> Well, which I mean, it's not. That's not necessarily true. And I'm trying okay. to design it in a way where, like, some stuff can stay, and this, like, a- anything that, like, okay, this is gonna stay. I'll design it thoughtfully, and everything else is just like, what uh, for everything else will be like. This will be a massive view controller until I figure out like, okay what to do with it. So um, whenever, or, or I'm guessing you're doing this all in Sprite Kit. Yeah, I'm doing Sprite Kit. So when when did you start getting into? Uh, when did you? Is this your first Sprite Kit? Um, foray or had you played or have you played around with it at all before i had tutorials back back a while ago um i was when i was kind of between well basically i basically have two goals right now one is to um uh make a game that uh i'm interested in i i won't talk too much about it because uh i'm not really sure how i do it quite yet and another is get a job as an ios programmer because uh which are kind of opposite and parallel goals for me on one hand like you know prosperity and money uh but also like just good practices you know like like working on working on big problems and knowing how to solve them and i know not all of that is like analogous uh between app development and game development but like it couldn't hurt at least like habit building uh for like uh tracking issues and things like that right 
Um, but like at the same time, getting a job doing the same thing in games is pretty different. Um, well, it's it's all different. It really depends, I guess, on what you're working on. At least in a professional sense, like uh, you're working either you're working in a a company that has an app that is a service, mm-hmm. or a company that is a game that is a product. Right. Which most of them are services now, anyway. But for the most part, when it's done, it's done, and that's kind of a different situation. Um. Uh, yeah. All, all all this to say that um. I was just kind of messing around with different ideas about what I would use. Like, I was like, well, I know, I know Swift now. Sprite Kit seems obvious. And I was like, mm-hmm. ah, but then I've got like, that's one platform. And that's something I'm thinking about a lot, even lately. As much as I love Swift, I keep thinking about, ah, but that's, that's, Apple, that's Apple's thing. And right. everyone I know has an iPhone with the exception of like, my brothers and like a chunk of other people in the world. <laughs> so my basically, I was kind of on a, a little a little uh, personal quest to decide. Well, if I want to make a game, like what would I use? And like Sprite Kit seemed like the uh, obvious choice because I was like, it's Swift, it's Xcode, like I know what I'm doing. But I was really hemming and hawing about like uh, m- multi-platforming and shortchanging myself. Mm-hmm. And moreover, like I mean, the 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 two people I would want to impress the most are my older and younger brother, and they're both on, on Android devices. <laughs> um, not to mention a bunch of other people. So like, I just wasn't sure what's right. Um, and so I looked for like uh, like small stuff and advanced stuff, and I learned a lot that like with making a game, like don't reinvent the wheel, just use what you got. And mm-hmm. like, Game Maker and Unity were th- were things. Um, uh, so I didn't fully commit to any one thing and all at the same time I'm thinking, but, or I shouldn't do any of this and I should focus on, uh, evening out my portfolio to get a, get a job, uh, app development in Boston. Uh, so basically I ended up like kind of not doing any of that stuff. Uh, I'm, and I'm still on the prowl. That's a mm-hmm. whole, that's a different story altogether. So what, what is your favorite Swift feature. That's a tough one. Um, I guess I'd have to choose like two um, protocols. Okay. I guess like Objective C had protocols, right? Mm-hmm. But they like worked differently. They acquired a lot more overhead and like preparation. Whereas like protocols are like are like these cool jackets you could just like put on stuff <laughs> and like and, and like just being able to like extend a protocol to just give something a default implementation for a function mm-hmm. like and then just like uh bam just drop it onto like like certain things or or to to take like to take that um massive u controller and to break it down by what its responsibilities by and basically by protocols right uh and just testing those individually it just feels so much more if if i feel clever like i i it, it, it <laughs> makes, makes you feel smart feel like yeah, like it makes me feel like I'm designing something purposefully. Like I'm going back. Right. Like, I'm not like I'm not a purist about any one design pattern. That's just I, I don't have a you know computer science background, so mm-hmm. I, I don't have that dogmatic thought process. I guess. Like I just I make things that do things. Like I like I make the network coordinator. I make the the. Uh, keyboard manager or whatever mm-hmm. um not thinking about like how it fits into mvc right uh, 
or, or things like that, or MVVC. Uh, I guess they're basically. I'm just I'm just talking about delegates, but whatever. Mm. Um, I'm not thinking about that at the time, right? Um, but thinking about things as protocols, like just help bring everything back to basics. Just like, what do I want something to do? Like, what am I putting in? What am I getting out? It 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 makes, and uh, I'm glad it's something that was like pushed, especially I feel like with Swift three, I saw that push again. Um, to use to to, to think less about object oriented and more about protocol oriented. Yeah, I'm still kind and, of fuzzy on like so whenever I go to yeah. make something, I usually I, I'm not thinking protocol first, which I it's probably where I I probably no, that, should switch the thinking. Like when it comes no, to that, functionality. That makes, well that makes perfect sense. And even mm-hmm. having said all that I'm basically mm-hmm. the same way. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, because like I, I'm, I'm, I, I usually when I'm when I'm working on a project and I'm looking at this, I'm like, should I put this in a protocol instead of, you know, it being a method for this class or whatever struct or whatever, or should I, you know, just leave it there? Do do I really need to make it a protocol? I get, you know, I get kind of stuck in that. It's like, does it, does it really matter? <laughs> like, but I mean, I, mean, I guess. No, I, that's a good point, and I guess I'm kind of overstating um, how protocol-oriented I am. Mm-hmm. I guess what I mean is that, like, um, I'm excited to refactor <laughs> more often. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, like I, I'm kind of the same way, right? Like, first I start with, I'll like, I'll start with a view controller. I'll be like, mm-hmm. all right, let's do this and this and this. And then, like, once I, literally, it's like, when I get up and then the next time I come back to a project, I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> That's when I'm like, let's pull some of this stuff out. Okay, yeah. And like, or like once I've pulled enough stuff out, I'll be like, um, okay. Uh, like, um, for example, I guess I could, I, I feel, I don't know how many people just literally talk about how they made something, but I'm thinking about like my to-do list app, like view controller, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's a table view controller. Um, and uh, I base like the heart of the app is just is just what I call the the um the data manager. It's just a it's the separate data source um for uh, the table view. But the data manager also like helps write and read stuff from core data. But it also um wants to get online to see what like new to do items were added. Okay. Um. So basically, so you've got it doing a what, lot of different stuff. Yeah. So 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 rather than like pull it all out and put it into the classes, I might just start by um pulling a lot of stuff and put and putting it into protocols. Okay. Um, and be like, okay, so there's there is the data source like the my, the task take the source pro, protocol, mm-hmm. which involves like inserting and deleting uh whenever like uh whenever like the the table itself is changed okay um and then there's like the um uh uh network coordinator protocol which like uh when it opens like goes uh uh like online and see that there's there's any new to do items and then adds that to the um uh task to the uh task array and both the network coordinator protocol and the uh task data source protocol have different functions but they both have the same property which is an array of tasks okay um and then like 
in the same file while I'll, while I'll um, define the protocol. I'll also extend the protocol. So I'll just um, have like the, the function that associated with the protocol. All the logic is just there. Okay. So for your like, default implementations and whatnot. Yeah, okay. So, so yeah, exactly. So I'll just, you know, so the data, the data, so the data source that I made may, or the data manager or whatever may like the class object may, have a ton of responsibilities mm-hmm. but when i just open its the its its class uh declaration and implementation it's not long okay. but when i see it's what well, the protocols then i could go to those and i could see what they do um and at least in that way even if literally like that one object has a lot to do when i look at it when i test it when i look where i have to go to change something um I I uh I only I have to think about the protocols for the most part. Okay. I say for the most part, but even I feel like even that isn't the best way to go about it. Like it's true if I were really smart, I'd I'd like write all the protocols first and figure out how I'm going to connect them all via uh classes, class objects or structs. Okay. Um but like I guess I mean like I don't even know if, if that's like functionally more efficient it just makes things easier for me to organize yeah and you know i guess i I haven't really messed with generics a whole lot but i have messed with generics and it probably makes that aspect of it much easier um when working with protocols instead of like if you have you know you might have uh two different structs that inherit you know the same protocol and then you know yeah you know have a generic function that can take you know um listable like if we're talking about like your list app or whatever yeah yeah I I I um honestly g- generics is um still something I'm wrapping my head around because like uh, when when yeah I'll, I'll make a if I make a function that takes you know takes some kind of parameter I'll I'll usually tend to make the parameter if not a certain class or a struct that I plan for I'll make it just a protocol mm-hmm. or or after the range that relates to a protocol I um haven't i mean i'm sure if i looked hard enough i'd find a a way to integrate generics to make things sharper or cleaner but i i i guess i just don't always know what to look for i guess i yeah i've i've only recently started messing around with generics myself i mean i'm i i know how to create generic functions i don't know when or where to use them for the most part and i would think it would probably be something that would be for greater consumption. Like I probably don't need to throw generics around in like an app that I don't plan on expanding, you know, and it, it, to be practical, you know, right. I mean, it might yeah. be a good Again, practice to make everything generic not or more generic tools than you need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of like, I don't know, and, and, buying and out the, the <laughs> buying out the hardware store just to, you know, drive a couple to, nails into, into the yeah. wall. And that, I guess that's that's the thing. Um, I, and I, I, I now I, I guess I understand like conceptually how generics and protocols and generic functions can work together powerfully. But mm-hmm. like I could like I could think of the problems I'd want to solve with a protocol, and just I I can't think that way about generics right now, at least. Um, like I feel like I'd want to solve the, a problem in a different way. Right. And you know maybe that's maybe that's just me not listening, not missing missing the the big picture. Uh, but yeah, the other thing aside from protocols is optionals. Yep. <laughs> Which is, I mean, kind of like the thing, and I think it's like right. the thing that anyone 
coming into Swift from anything else would be like, huh? What? Yeah, it took and me. It, it definitely took me a while to get my head wrapped around it. Like understanding, like understanding when to use an optional, mm. took me a while to figure out. Yeah, and um, uh, and coming from Objective C, like that was just like, I mean, and but at first it was like, uh, really bewildering, like like I because I didn't have like a parallel, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, it, it, that's brand new, like right. going from the old language to the new one. Um, whereas with most Swift things, it could be like, oh, it's like this, but better. But that was just like... Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But this is like a new way of thinking. But like what really like struck home was when I went back to update my Shakespeare monologue app, um, I, I hit a point where I was like, oh, man, if I had some optionals. <laughs> right. Because like, especially whenever I was... Um, calling something from uh, a, a database online or something mm-hmm. like check, like a, a lot of my problems came with like checking f- for nils and, okay. and things like that. And just like the crazy thing about optionals is not just how they like function, like it at, at, at compile time, but just mm-hmm. like literally as you're writing it, like they're, they're literally like cues to you. <laughs> like, like when you see a question mark or an exclamation point, like they're just, they're like they're like caution and warning, even as like even though like this will work, but right. And I I, th- I feel like I think um what a, a common like tip for people getting into Swift was like uh, you could use exclamation points, but just know that the more you have, the more trouble you might get into. Down right. The um, but also just knowing when to like um. Knowing, be, feeling liberty when you know, like, oh, this will be okay, though. Like, like knowing, like, and seeing it even in, uh, like, professional-grade stuff, like, to see uh, uh, um, a uh, forced optional as a UI element or something. And, like, you know it's going to be a thing before you need to access it. So right. just go for it. And, like, I remember being so scared of, like, doing that purposefully on my own. <laughs> and then I got to a point where I was just like, no, this button's going to exist. I just can't implement it until view did load or whatever. Um, uh, so it's, I mean, it's, it's really, it's really kind of brilliant just to have a whole subset of stuff that may or may not exist. And as far as I know, everything else does like, like, of course I, I'm, I'm wondering how that will, um, how that'll affect any other languages or new languages or things well, like I'm sure they have already. Yeah, I think uh Kotlin, uh the I don't I'm the the new program well it's 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 been around I think a little bit longer, at least open source and public longer than Swift yeah. has. And they have something similar. Um and okay. I, I think they use I don't know if they call them optionals, but I do know that they use uh the question mark syntax. For that, right. That's just from what I've heard on podcasts and reading online. I haven't really looked too much into it, but I know they do have something similar um, because you you have to do the same thing in Java, checking for null, and yeah. um, you know, and then a whole bunch of runtime uh, exceptions that you have to check for yeah. a lot of times. You know, it's like okay, I w- I've I've learned a bit of Java um, mostly uh, when I w- at work because uh, I'd have downtime and it's like, well, I can't code swift at work so i might as well learn something else so yeah i didn't really get that far into it i kind of stopped messing around with that because then i found out about the ibm blue mix um swift uh you can go it's like a playground uh it runs on linux but you can go on there and like 
uh, if I have any downtime, I'll just play around with stuff. That's how I figured out uh, map and reduce and. Oh no! Oh, we get playgrounds. Like I, I feel like I haven't used one in a bit, but boy, um, mostly because um, boy, I feel like the new Xcode updates do not like these old MacBooks. Like, have you been running on the betas? Uh, I well, I just like even a not a long uh project um a playground rather in xcode will just like take its sweet time to compile um and yeah. uh honestly even even regular projects will will um take a sweet time to do pre-compiling yeah uh, uh that's i mean that's on me I guess. I, yeah. I, again, I'm a cheapo. I've not updated my phone or computer in a while. Yeah, like yeah, um, we I had, I had mentioned before, and I think it might may have been gotten gotten lost in one of those technical difficulties that we had. But I had a 2011 MacBook Pro. Um, I think it was a late 2011 model, and I, I had I had like playgrounds would take 30 to 40. I, I had it. I think one time I timed it. Boy. I was, I was, I had nothing to do the day that day. And it took almost 45 minutes for like, I would, I could sit there and type in the playground, but nothing would execute. And I think I timed it. It took 30 to 45 minutes. It was somewhere. It was something ridiculous. And then I finally got fed up. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to buckle down max out a credit card and get me a new macbook <laughs> and i'll tell you what the uh, the comp just i i the first thing i did was installed xcode i pulled up a playground and i was like hallelujah like it was oh, like it's it like oh, oh god that was the it was the most exciting thing i was i was so happy when i saw that i uh, know that sounds really good i'd love to just have to just know what happens i'd love to just know what happens when yeah. i write something yeah, it, it's really a shame because like I was about to be like, oh, and the cool thing about Swift is like prototyping in playgrounds, and like right now I, that's just not something I could say enthusiastically. That's actually mostly what I've been working in uh, uh, over the last month or two. Uh, yeah. Has just been, yeah, really just trying a lot of new things. Uh, what that's what I had, really, yeah, what I had found uh, with a lot of the projects I was working on, I'd like start hitting these walls, and then I, I'd I'd start like trying to experiment and like build and compile and then run and then like do i was like well why don't why am i doing this whenever i could just test all this stuff in playgrounds and just kind of yeah, figure yeah, out that's like, you a know good just point. get the real time um you know get real time feedback and not spend i mean building and running i mean it, it doesn't take very long like with my computer now um mm -hmm. it doesn't take very long but if you have to do that several times, you know, you probably eat up, eat up 15, 20 minutes. Like I usually get up at four o'clock in the morning. That's a good point. I, yeah, I, I get up at four o'clock in the morning to, to code. Uh, and I do that yeah. from about four to six in the morning before I go to work. Um, that's and, beautiful. Yeah. Well, you, I'll t I'm not, I'm not a morning person either. So I, <laughs> you know, I, I know I really like it whenever I can actually drag myself out of bed around four o'clock in the morning. I, I'd, wow. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that, that I, it, it doesn't always happen. Right. <laughs> you know, there might right. be a day or two in the week where I don't, I'm not able to drag myself out of bed, but yeah. So 15 to 20 minutes out of my two hours that I dedicate to, uh, coding every morning. Um, it kind of, kind of sucks to lose that 15 minutes. So whenever I do a playground, it makes it, uh, a lot better i feel like whenever i'm That's trying to figure point. something out because i mean like the whole thing when you're designing a project is just like what you're doing is just building finding out 
what relates to what and how it's supposed to relate to that. And right. like, there's just a lot of overhead doing it like for real in a project, you know, making new files and like deciding like what gets what responsibilities. Whereas like in playground, you could, you playgrounds literally outlining, but you, you mm-hmm. can do it before you do it. It makes a lot of sense. And I'm, really glad it's there yeah and i've actually started i i don't know if you're aware of this but you can actually drop (laughs) swift files and whatnot you can have multiple swift files that you can still call from in your playground right so you can have no kidding yeah so um i had figured this out by doing a ray winderlich tutorial and they had a playground um that had a, a couple swift files in there i was like wow that's nuts so you could you could pretty much like you could have like your your you could have your um protocols and struct you can pretty much have like you know how you want everything to go but you don't necessarily know how it's going to go together or maybe you want to test out yeah yeah it's pretty pretty awesome man like i like just being able to just put in like whatever the heck the my model is you know Mm -hmm. and not having to like like define all that again right even just that Mm -hmm. would would be like ah man that that'd save a lot of pain you can actually even um use coke like you could use like uh cocoa pods and stuff like that as well like say uh i don't like if you needed to use alamo fire for something or you know what yeah. whatever library that you needed to import if you're using something you could do that you can do that as well just add a pod file and it'll create a workspace um file like it would normally but it's of your playground so did not realize yeah wow. it's, I, it, I only i only recently found out about it about a month ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, playgrounds are even better than I, I even I even knew about." So wow, yeah, I think you I know can what I'm doing tomorrow. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, <clears throat> I, I would, ha- I would, I would definitely suggest looking into that, especially if you, you know, it, even if you're just wanting to try something new, like with an existing app, you could probably import a lot of your functionality. Um, do with one to work on now that'd be really handy yeah I mean, granted that it compiles well on my computer right but yeah. uh i'll see what i could do that's that's good to know though yeah man so hey terry uh we're starting to run out of time now is there anything yeah. that you want to talk about before we sign off um i guess uh yeah uh, with some of the questions you forwarded me one i i didn't even touch on was uh what i uh still need help with and that's freaking testing uh, I recently y- y- started to to dabble in testing. It- unit testing. And mm-hmm. It's a real... I mean, like... And that's the thing. Looking... I mean, like, not every job listing in the Boston area I find has it, but, like, some juicy ones will, will mention it, and I'll be like, Ugh. Like, the good news is I have. I've unit tested my previous app, but, like, not cleverly. <laughs> like, it's... Right. I mean, because the thing is, like, I I went to a a talk on test-driven development that made a lot of sense. Like, literally writing your tests before you write anything else. It's it's nuts. And, like, but apparently, and that's another thing about protocols, it's way easier if you do it based on protocols. Because rather than having to, like, make mock classes and objects or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you could, could, and subclassing your other classes, you could just make a mock from a protocol, which should have... everything implemented for the most part Mm -hmm. um and i tried that and it worked for the most part but like there's some things that were just too coupled together that i couldn't break down for the most part i just ended up every test suite basically just rebuilt my app from scratch and like went from there like i especially got like 
URL requests and stuff like that. Like, it's it's it, it can be done, and I figured it out. But like, it, like if I had, as usual, if I had written my app from the start with the purpose of being tested, mm-hmm. maybe it would have been different. Um, but it's 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 thinking that way is hard, man. Yeah, it is. I I re- I, I had gotten a. There's this guy named Bart Jacobs, and he publishes um, like Swift tutorial books or whatever. And I, I hear I've I've been hearing everybody talk about MVVM, like, yeah. like it's the hot like it's a hot thing. So I was like, okay, and I tried to find some like tutorials about it. I didn't really find anything good. And he had he had just released this uh, newer book called Mastering MMVM or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. I I did it, and it was it was it was pretty cool. Uh, but in in that he um shows you you know he kind of goes through the unit testing process and that was like really my first exposure because like i would sit in there and like you know and and trying to write a, a test case and it was just like i don't know what i'm doing and most of the stuff that i see out there it keeps it really simple when they're showing you how to unit test like i understand yeah the 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 point and w- what it is but like it just seems like everything out there is kind of hairy it would be cool to see like a, a comprehensive like book or series or something that really dives into testing and debugging and whatnot because it always seems to be just like a small footnote in a lot of uh tutorials and writings and and i guess like i I, i'm i'm bad i could crawl crawl through github and find something but like the thing is i I feel like any test well written is like written well written for the person who designed it you know like i don't know how legible they are and like the tutorials I find, it's like you're right. They show you the concept, and you're like, okay, I get that. But then like the moment you like want to f- test like a real problem or like a complicated mm-hmm. process, that that's where the tutorial sh- for sure ends. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's when it's like figure it out, Einstein. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and you know, I found that whenever I'm whenever I'm learning stuff, if I I usually do better uh, initially with some kind of video tutorial. And then once I kind of gra- when I once I kind of grasp the overall concept, then I can move on to reading. Um, and then from there, at, once I kind of get there, then I can kind of start to trickle into the documentation. That's usually That's how kinda... my my thought process kind of ends up working because when somebody is sitting there, it's kind it's kind of like having a conversation, right? Except yeah. it's just one way, and they're kind of explaining it. Where and I, I don't know. That's it's just me. But and reading it and seeing diagrams sometimes will be okay for me uh like if i just am diving straight into a a topic that i'm not familiar with but usually hearing somebody talk about it and seeing them like write code as they're talking helps me quite a bit and then no that makes perfect sense mm -hmm. honestly um because it's very like very broad i mean you know like a classroom me i Mm -hmm. can't tell if like I'm just a guess and check kind of guy or if I'm if I'm looking for shortcuts. I feel like I'll start with like looking for a code snippet. Mm-hmm. You know, like stack overflow and be like, "All right, let's see how this works in my situation." And like everything breaks and I'm like, "Okay. <laughs> Why did it break?" Yeah. Um so it, I'll I'll which I don't even I don't think that's smart, but sometimes I like it. I like kind of starting with an answer and be like, "Wait, why does that even what and and then like kind of futzing with something until I re- find out why the way I did it was a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And I've done that too, but like, yeah. <clears throat> and I've done I still do that on, on occasion. Um, but more or less, I've found that if 
I end up spending a lot less time if I if I look for some kind of even a short one that's just just you know maybe 10 15 minutes I usually spend a lot less time trying to figure it out when I have you know a little verbal commentary over the code versus trying yeah. to figure it out myself and that's not no, as I, much trouble for me now but especially honest, in the beginning yeah, yeah that's what I what I really Honestly I think do. I think you're right I think that honestly really is the best way basically I I mean, that's not always true. I I try to understand a concept uh, before moving on to a solution, but mm-hmm. very often, especially lately, I'll look at it, look for a solution, and then like figure out why why it works later. Which yeah. ain't good. That's not really being a good student. <laughs> but um, I, I sometimes I, you um, just want to get something ready to ship. Right? But you know what helps, and maybe this is a good sign off. Um, the way I still learn is, I guess, is the way I found you. Um. The two reddits swift and ios programming um even like i'm not even very active there um but like it's a great way to like kind of keep ideas fresh and to not like i if i, I might like run into a problem where i just end up making you know massive u controllers left and right or whatever, right. right but like as long as i like go somewhere people are talking about better ways to do stuff i'm yeah. reminded that, that there are better ways to do stuff yeah yeah i'm a, I'm, like, I'm a lurker myself yeah. in most in most uh forums and reddits <laughs> and whatnot if you look at my yeah. reddit uh comments uh the only stuff that i have in there is a couple posts in in, in uh in our in swift uh about getting people uh on here for the podcast and then uh magic the gathering i'm a magic the gathering fan (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so Uh, well it worked yeah Yeah. i I just i I just have um uh um me being like how does core data and then like uh how do you how do you uh fix uh fix the uh kickstarter on a scooter or whatever right um yeah but i think um I don't. I, I guess I. I don't swear by any one source for continued learning, except for communities like that. Like just anywhere where someone could be like, "This is a great design pattern," and where someone else could be like, mm, "I'm not sure about that." Yeah. Because like, even if like I don't come down on one side or the other, I'll just be reminded that's a question I could ask myself about whatever I'm going to work on next. Right, and you can remember so their points just, like, for each 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 part of the argument. Yeah, yeah, and and so I'm so so I don't just like do whatever the easiest, dumbest thing mm-hmm. is that I like think like an intelligent programmer for like even a second. Just like seeing that and being reminded of things like that really helps. Right. So Terry, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Uh boy, um, I'm on Twitter. I'm not usually doing a lot of Swift stuff, mostly um, uh, crap. <laughs> uh, but it's you can find me easily at uh, Terry Torres. T-E-R-R-Y-T-O-R-R-E-S. You can find links to my apps on the App Store at my website, which is terry-torres.com, because that's always available. <laughs> um, my GitHub is O-Terry-Torres. That's O-H-Terry-Torres. And uh, I think that's it for the most part. Um, yeah, keep an eye out for um, Wine Quest for the wine bottega <laughs> of the north end of Boston. Pro- uh, probably... Uh, or early next year we'll see how that goes okay well i'll drop your uh links in the show notes so if people want to check that out there instead of writing it down <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well thanks for being on the show <laughs> terry thank you very much Stephen. really this is a really cool thing to do i'm looking forward to um listening to more 
All right, I appreciate that. And that concludes this episode of the Learn Swift podcast. I hope our discussion left you feeling inspired and that you're not alone. If you enjoyed the show, please consider telling a friend, recommending the show on Overcast, or leaving a review on iTunes. If you just want to say hello, you can reach me on Twitter at Stephen underscore 0351. Thanks, and see you next time.